Well, I want to get started this morning uh, talking to you about blessing blockers. Blessing blockers. So according to Ephesians 3.6, I just want to give you a little uh, a scripture on blessings here. It says, both Gentiles and Jews who believe in the good news equally... Uh, um, believe in the good news, share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both enjoy the promise of blessing. Can you say that with me? Promise of blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. So when you receive Jesus into your heart, what that means is that a promise of God's blessing is opened up to you. Now, the Bible does say that God reigns on the just and the unjust, but there is a special promise of blessing that when you receive Jesus into your life, that promise of blessing is opened up from heaven flowing to you. So I want you to think of the promise of God's blessing like a pipeline coming from heaven, like a tube or a pipeline. This one's fancy. Courtney said to me this morning, Mom, that's wrapping paper. It's a tube of wrapping paper. I said, no, there's a hole in the middle. This is a tube from God. It's God's blessing. So picture a tube coming down from heaven and picture the top end open. So when you ask Jesus into your heart, God's flow of blessing starts coming down to you. That is very important for us to understand. So I want you to think about this. Do we always feel like there's just massive blessing coming into our life from God? I know I don't. Sometimes I feel like, you know, there are hard times I'm going through, dry seasons, certain things. Uh, in The Bible says that when we live in the world, we're going to go through challenging things. And so what are things that seem to be blocking the blessing? Not, not everything is a blessing blocker. There are some things like the Bible talks about that here on the earth it says we will go through persecutions when we're believers. It says that we will have tribulation in the earth. And so we shouldn't expect to live a pain-free life when we're here in humans, should we? That would be very unrealistic. And so we know that there are going to be times where things just don't seem as great as we would like them to be because we're going through persecution or we're going through tribulation and we press through that with the word of God. Would you agree? And there are other times where sometimes people attribute it to persecution, but there are other times where actually we go through hard things because we are not praying like we should be. And the Bible says that when Jesus came and then he was resurrected and he left the earth, he, he, he transferred his authority to us using the name of Jesus. Have you seen that in the Bible? So it says that we can use the name of Jesus, and we are instructed as believers to use the name of Jesus. And we have authority in his name. So sometimes um, Christians, depending on what type of background they come from, or maybe uh, a young believer, they just think that if it's God's will, it's just going to happen to them. And that is absolutely not true. There's no place in the Bible that says once you become a Christian, life just becomes a cakewalk, and everything is just going to fall like ripe cherries off a tree from heaven into your life. There's no place in the Bible that says that, and that's unrealistic as well. And so we are instructed to pray. And there are things that the Bible tells us to meditate God's word, pray God's word. And so when we pray God's word, when we pray over situations going on in our life that may be challenges in our life or the lives of those around us, that's something we are instructed to do. So there are some hits that we take in life simply because we were not praying like we should. Would you agree? And so that's our own doing. So, yes, there are things that seem like we may not be seeing as much of the hand of God in our life because we're going through a tribulation or persecution or because we're not praying like we should. But then there are also times when it just seems like a dry season in your life. Has anyone ever been there and just felt like a dry time where maybe... You're not, oh, you, most of you did not raise your hand. I know more of you have been through dry seasons than that. And 
it, it just may seem like a time where you're not hearing God's voice as much as you did before or experiencing his leading as much as you did before. Or it, it may just seem like you haven't seen a lot of his hand in your life like maybe you have before. And at those dry seasons, uh, it's good to check. You know, of course, it could be one of the first two things that I mentioned. It's good to look at that. But it also can be a blessing blocker. And there are blessing blockers that we can set up in life where God's flow is still coming down the tube from heaven. But we can do things. Does anyone see that rag in the bottom? We can do things to stop up our end of the tube. And there are things the Bible talks about that actually, that we're sticking the rag in here when we do these certain things in life. And we need to be watchful because God is always trying to get his blessing to us. Like we read in Ephesians 3, 6, that we have the promise of his blessing, his hand in our life, his help in our life when we're going through hard times. So what about we're going through hard times and it seems like he's still not um, stepping in and helping us? Well, like I said, it could be persecution. It could be needing to pray. But if it, you pray about it and it doesn't seem to be either of those two things, then, then I'm going to give you another area that you should check. And I believe this is a word from the Lord today that many, many, many Christians are being hindered in their life. They're not receiving the flow of God like they're supposed to because of this blessing blocker. Now, before I get into what that is, I want to talk to you a little bit more about the blessing. About a month ago, the Lord started putting... Uh, Isaiah, or excuse me, Psalm 65 strongly on my heart, especially verses 9 through 13. And you have to remember that when the Bible was written, many of the people's profession was farming, wasn't it? And so because they were farmers, the Lord often spoke to them in metaphors of farming, especially with the blessing. And of course, this still applies today. In order to eat, we need the land to be producing food. And so in, in Psalm 65 verse 9, this is talking about the blessing of God. And I want you to picture, even though this is referring to farming, I want you to picture whatever area this applies to your life. So how does it apply to you? Okay, I'm starting in verse 9. It says, you take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water. Does, that, does God ever run out in heaven? No, his sources are unlimited. So the river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordered it so. So God has ordered the, his blessing from heaven. You drench the plowed ground with grain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. Think about those words. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. Now, especially I want you to notice Verse 11 here, uh, when I said that the Lord started talking uh, to me, putting on my heart, I don't mean audibly talking, but putting on my heart about a month ago, he gave me the word overflow. And I just had it impressed in my heart that for the next year, I'm supposed to focus on the word overflow. Have any of you ever focused on one word in your life? Kind of that's your theme word in life. Well, that's going to be my word for the next year, overflow. And I just was impressed that the Lord wanted me to be believing for spiritual overflow like never before in my life. For overflow of joy in my life and peace like I've never had before. And this was the scripture that the Lord gave me to stand on in believing for overflow in those areas. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest, even the hard pathways. Would you say that with me? Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. 
Now, I want you to think of, about that. What if other people around you know what the hard pathways are in your life? Do any of you have any hard pathways going on in your life right now? You can nod your head at me if you do. Some hard pathways. Well, you know what? If anyone around you knows the hard pathways, and then all of a sudden or over time, they see in the next year that those areas that were hard start overflowing with blessing, are they going to see the reality of God in your life? Yes, they will. And that brings glory to the Lord. And so when you have hard places in your life, God wants to overflow those hard places, turn them around for you so that, that he is glorified in those hard places, becoming places of overflow. It goes on to say the grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. Notice that word joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. Notice how much he's talking about this overflow of blessing and it, it brings joy. Because God wants us to have joy in our life, whether we're going through hard times or not. Did you realize that? Even when you're in hard places in life, you can have joy and you can have peace because of the Holy Spirit's power in your life. And like I said, life is not always going to be a cakewalk. And so we need to remember to be looking to God, to his joy, to his peace, and to his blessing to bring that even in the midst of turmoil we may be going through. And one other thing I want to mention about the blessing is that did you know who you partner with in life has an effect on how much blessing comes into your life. That applies to multiple things. It applies to the church you go to. Uh, it's scriptural that the blessing, that our, uh, the blessing that's on Sean in my life is, is to flow into your life. It's scriptural that the blessing on your spouse is to be flowing into your life, that there's a blessing going back and forth. The blessing on parents should be going into the kids. The blessing on friendships, your friends, as friends, you should be a blessing imparting to one another. So I want you to think about that because who you surround yourself with, who you partner with, and especially who you submit yourself to, the blessing is either opened or, or not open. Through that, you need to be partnering with people that speak blessing and not cursing over you. Have you ever seen friends that just slam each other continually? That is not someone who is blessing you. You know, there are scriptures that actually, um, Acts 15, 33, 1 Corinthians 16, 11, Hebrews 7, 6, and 7, just to give you three of them, they talk about blessing being imparted from one party to another. One of those scriptures I just mentioned actually talks about uh, some friends, groups of people, and it says, they gave us the blessing of peace when we left. Do you know that someone can actually give you a blessing of peace and when they decree that blessing over you that you'll have more peace after they declare that? If it's somebody who operates in peace, they can speak their blessing of peace over you? You know, I thought it was interesting when uh, some of you know Julio and, ja Julio and Jackie Molina. When they got married, we did their wedding, I think it was about six or seven years ago. Julio and Jackie came to us, and it was very funny because they had never been to an American wedding. They had only been to Hispanic-type weddings. And they came to us when we were doing all the preparation, and they said, uh, we don't know what weddings look like. We don't know what to expect at all. We've just seen very little ones in churches, uh, you know, where just a couple people were there, and they said their vows. But there's one thing from our culture that we really would like to have in our wedding. And we said, what's that? And he said, in our culture, when you get married, you ask the couple who has the best marriage that you know to give you a Bible after you, you say your vows and, and, and right at the end of the wedding ceremony, and you ask them to come up 
and give you a Bible and to pray and declare their marriage blessing over you. And they said, would you do that at the end of our wedding? And we said, sure, we'd love to. And they said, and, and we want you two to be the ones that pray the blessing over our marriage. So we said, we'd love to do that. So we bought them a Bible. And we did that at the end of their wedding. And do you know we've done that at the end of every wedding since? Because we thought that is an awesome, awesome thing to do. So you can have people around you that are declaring the blessing over you. And it's important that you have that in your life. So let's get into today, like I was talking about, I want to hone in on one specific blessing blocker. Are you ready to hear it? How can we as Christians block the end of our pipeline from God? Because his end is always open to us when we've received Jesus as our Lord. How can we stop it up, put a rag in the end so that the blessing is not flowing to us? I'm going to read to you to get that answer from Genesis 13, verses 5 through 9. And it says, Lot also, who went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. So Abraham said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you. Please, separate from me. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you take the right, I'll go to the left. I want you to think about this. Abraham was a smart man, and he looked at these two lands, to the left and to the right, and the Bible says that one of them was well-watered like the Garden of the Lord. In other words, the Garden of Eden. So one of the lands was definitely better than the other. And he, being a smart man, I'm sure knew that Lot was going to pick the land that looked better. But do you want to know why Abraham was willing to let Lot choose? Because he understood this powerful, powerful principle that the blessing of God is more powerful than natural circumstances. And he knew that even if Lot got the better land, because of the blessing that he had being in partnership with Lord, with the Lord, his land being less would produce just as well as that good land or better because of the blessing of God. And I think oftentimes we don't register this in our brains. How powerful is the blessing of God? It is huge. It's huge. And if we get into strife, we are blocking the blessing of God. And I think sometimes we don't realize maybe we're getting into strife or we don't realize exactly what strife looks like. So let me define strife for you. It can be discord, conflict, schism, antagonism, arguing, quarreling. And in this biblical case, it was simply competition or rivalry that wasn't a good competition. And so you think about this. God doesn't want us in strife, and Abraham, Abraham knew that, and Abraham wanted to stay in unity with God, and he knew that in order to stay in unity with God, he needed to stay out of strife. Strife is not worth forfeiting the blessing of God, and yet many people today, including Christians, are willing to forfeit the blessing of God because they want to prove they're right. They want to have a little argument. They want it to be their way. They're willing to forfeit the blessing on their marriage, their children, their health, their finances, their peace, their joy, you name it, just to, just to prove they're right. Is it worth it? No, it's never worth it. It is never worth it. You know, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say, blessed are those who prove they're right, did he? And so we need to remember that consciously, especially when someone says something or does something that ticks us off. 
We need to remember, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, the more mature person is not the one who wins the argument. The more mature person is the one who, who is a peacemaker and approaches any type of conflict with humility. And I am not saying not to address, address problems. I am not saying that you don't talk about something that needs to be talked about. But I am saying that you do it with a humble voice, with a humble stance, that you do that with a spirit of humility and you don't let it turn into, ten, turn into yelling or tense voices, but you do it in love like the Bible talks about. And if it's not going that way, stop, hold hands and pray. If it's another believer, pray that God will help you to, to resolve this conflict in love. If you need to separate and pray for a while, go ahead and do that. But it is important to remember that it's not our job to prove we're right. The Bible says God's our vindicator, doesn't it? And, you know, one important thing for us to remember is that our spouse, our friends, our children are not placed by God in our life just for companionship. Did you realize that? They're not there just for companionship. They are there so that we have multiplied spiritual power together. And if you are not walking in unity with your friends, your spouse, your children, you will not have that multiplied spiritual unity. There is a force. In fact, Psalm 133 says there is a commanded blessing of God when brethren dwell in unity. I'm going to say that again. Psalm 133. There is a commanded. That's a big word. Commanded blessing of God when brethren dwell in in unity. God put your marriage together. God put you as friends together. God put you with your children together so that when you pray, that it would have more power, that you'd have multiplied effect. And, And so if you're getting in strife, are your prayers going to be effective? You can answer me on that one. No, they will not be. You know, and and the funny thing is this. The vanity of strife is that after it's over, each person remains with with their own opinion. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever seen someone have an argument and they're just going at it and heated and mad at each other and all of a sudden one of them stops and says, and they have this aha moment. You are so right. I am so wrong. How could I have not seen things the way that you see things? Have you ever seen someone in a big fight or argument stop and do that? I haven't. And do you want to know why nobody's going to do that? It's because they're not being respected. You need to walk in respect towards the person that you're trying to address something to, or they won't even hear you with their heart. There's no way they're going to change without an act of God. And and God will act when you show respect. God will act when you show humility. And so it's so very important for us to remember we need to keep strife out of our life because really when you get in an argument with someone, especially someone you're supposed to be loving or working with at work or things of that nature, it is not going to get you the outcome that you want. And so anytime you have tension in your life, think about that and say, if I argue with this person, is it going to bring me the outcome that I want? What is the way that I can show respect so we can speak about this in a way that God will honor? You know, Mark 3.25 says, A house divided against itself cannot stand. So think about that in families. There's, uh, you know, there's so much strife and turmoil that goes on in so many families. And I just want to say something right now, especially to young people listening to me. 
If you've grown up in a home where your parents argue all the time and there's strife all the time and turmoil all the time, it can get to the place where that's all you've seen, so you think that that's how everybody lives. And I just want you to know that's not how everybody lives. Sean and my home, we disagree, but we don't yell at each other. And, and we stop and pray when we sense we're having tension with each other. Our kids have never seen mom and dad have a fight because, I mean, our kids have seen us get a little, like, you know, not even testy. I wouldn't even say that, but just frustrated. I would use the word frustrated, but we do not raise our voices when we're frustrated. We raise our voices if there's an emergency, like the child running out in the road and you have to yell, stop. But if you raise your, home, your voice all the time in your home and you have young kids, your kids will never know when there's a real emergency. Because they'll be used to that tone of voice all the time. So that's dangerous to be yelling in your home all the time because kids won't know when there's really a problem. And so it's so very important. I want you to know there are peaceful homes. I've been in peaceful homes. Ours is a peaceful home. And yes, can you have disagreements and stay in peace? Yes, you can. And it's by the grace of God. And when you feel that frustration and tension coming on, you have to force yourself. You have to be mature and force yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to stop. And I'm, can I just go pray for a little bit? And go pray. And God will help you get through that frustration that you're feeling. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things and goofy things about strife is that many people go into strife arguments based on the conjecture of their own incomplete information or giving the other person incomplete information. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some people don't even know what they're arguing about. Or they're arguing with incomplete facts. And I remember one time when we were actually renovating this building about two and a half years ago, and it was funny because I was the project manager on the building, and uh, I was doing the meetings with our uh, builder that was renovating the building. I was doing meetings with the people from the city that would come out and the builder and that type of thing. And one day I came home, and I had been in meetings all day with the builder and the city inspector and different meetings with church. And Sean was at home working on a sermon. And I came home this one day, and I said, um, I just mentioned... And it had been a long day for me, okay? But is that an excuse to be strifeful? No, it's not. And so it had been a long day. And I just mentioned to Sean, I said, by the way, um, in the meetings today, I found out that we're going to need to do this and this and this to the building. Um, and it's going to cost, and it was in the thousands more than what we had planned. Um, and it has to be done. And Sean said, how do you know it has to be done? And I said, the city inspector said so. And Sean said, well, could we do this instead? And I said, no. And uh, could we do this instead? Is there a way we could save money in this? And I said, no. And, and I was just giving short answers, which isn't like me. Normally, I, I give expounded answers. And I just wasn't making things easy for him. And he said, well, I, you know, he, he was staying calm through it, but I could tell it was bothering him because he said, well, isn't there a way we could spend less money on this? And I started getting frustrated when he was trying to throw out these different ideas of ways we could save money. Now, should I be frustrated by, frustrated by that? No. And so 
I started getting a little frustrated with my voice, and I could tell he was starting to get a little agitated with me. And finally, one of us, in going back and forth with this conversation, one of us said, why don't we just stop and go pray for a bit before we continue this conversation? So we stopped and went and prayed. And I went, and I sat down and prayed, and I said, Lord, would you please help Sean to just see why this is necessary? (laughs) And... He said, and so clearly it wasn't an audible voice, but I had the, just the plainest day thought that I knew was from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, you are not giving Sean complete information. He is, he is your leader, Amy, and he has a right to have the full facts. Does he not? He has the right to have the full facts. And you came into that conversation, and you could have laid it all out on the table to him of everything you knew about what the city inspector said and what the builder said. And you didn't even give him hardly a portion of the details. So you were giving him very incomplete information. And if you had given him complete information, he wouldn't have even questioned you on it. So this is really your responsibility how you went into this conversation, giving him incomplete information, it, that was your doing, and you need to go fix this and apologize. So I said, okay, Lord, I'll take responsibility for this. You're right. And so I went and apologized, and I said, I didn't give you all the details I should have. Let me just take the time and go through it. And so about 30 minutes to an hour later, after going through all the details, Sean looked at me and said, Okay, great. And (laughs) that was the end of the conversation. And I could have avoided that whole moment of tension if I had just given him all the information up front. And yet I didn't do it just because I was tired and didn't feel like talking. But yet we have to rise above our feelings. Would you agree? You know, I remember there. uh, there's one of our mentors in the faith. And I remember years ago him saying that when he and his wife first got married, he said that he was raised in a home where there was a lot more uh, confrontation and and vocal um, conflict in the home. And so that was a normal thing for him. And if that's been a normal thing in your past, you need to get rid of it by the grace of God. The Bible says to renew your mind and he'll help you with those things. Renew your mind in his word. And so our mentor had said, that uh, in the home there was this conflict. And so when he first got married, he, uh, you know, in the first couple of months, he raised his voice at his wife of something she hadn't done the way he wanted in the home. He raised his voice at her and, um, you know, just let her have it. And he said she so humbly and sweetly looked at him and and took this demeanor of humility. And she said, somehow God's going to help me be a good wife to you. And he said, really? She should have just let me have it because I had no business talking to her like that. What she had done wasn't even a big deal. But he said she used a soft answer to turn away wrath. And he said that totally just like sticking a a pin in a balloon just let the air out of me. Somehow God's going to help me be a good wife to you. And he said that he just totally stopped yelling and and just calmed down, and and he was embarrassed for how he had acted. And he said he did that several more times in marriage, and every time she kept taking that stance, she refused to fight with him. And he said in a very short period of time, he learned to be honoring in the marriage like she was through her example. And today they have an awesome ministry. But we need to remember that if we choose strife, we block God's pipeline to us. And, you know, have you ever thought about families? Have you ever seen families where um, there isn't just some sickness, but it's like chronic sickness going on in the kids or chronic financial problems going on when there really shouldn't be because 
Both parties are making good incomes. When you see things like that of chronic sickness or chronic financial problems when there shouldn't be, there's no real reason for them there to be chronic financial problems, it's often because of strife. Because strife in parents affects children's health. It weakens the immune system. That's been proven medically, and I've seen that in numerous studies that it actually weakens the kid's immune system. And so it is so important that we learn to have our discussions in a peaceable way because it affects the health of our children. It will affect finances. There, there is blessing that God is trying to pour out to you of meeting your needs and giving you overflow so you can be a blessing to others that he can't do if you're blocking that tube up with strife, sticking a rag of strife up in there. Think about James 3.16. It says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Now, I want you to think about David before he became king in the Bible. Have you ever noticed in his life, uh, and before he was king, Saul was king, right? And did you notice in that scripture in the Old Testament that it says Saul had a distressing spirit, and they called for David to come in because he played the harp, and as he played the harp, the distressing spirit would leave Saul? No, it doesn't, now it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I believe that the reason Saul had that distressing spirit was because he was a strife causer. Because if you examine his life, he was always causing strife. He was always jealous and feeling threatened by others. And when you feel jealous, feel threatened, you're causing strife. He was trying to kill David numerous times. That brings distress upon people's spirit. And so if you have a lot of distress in your life, you don't need to turn to drugs and alcohol. You just need to get rid of the strife in your life. That will resolve a ton of problems for you. So just remember that when there, especially with the finances, that one was on my heart as I was preparing for this. If there is continual financial trouble in your family and it just shouldn't be there, you know, you're... You have income coming in, but things just keep coming in to seem to be sucking up and grabbing the finances that should be there. Check the strife area. It's a really big deal. Proverbs 13.10 says, By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised there is wisdom. So what is the root of strife? Pride. Now, I want you to think about this. If strife comes by pride, and James, 4, James chapter 4 says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, if you choose strife, can God help you? He can't. He can't help you if you choose to argue. In fact, the Bible says he resists the proud, so he will specifically not help you because if he were to help you, he'd be helping the enemy's side. Do you realize that? He would be endorsing strife if he helped you once you got into it. And he cannot help you if you get into strife until you repent. So if you want God fighting your battles for you, if you want the vindication of the Lord, like the Bible says God wants to vindicate you and help you fight your battles for you, then you need to repent of strife if you get into it. You know, if I ever... um, you know, get frustrated with my kids or get frustrated with Sean in in some area, I quickly repent. I'm like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have sounded frustrated. Please forgive me because I want God helping me. Do you want God helping you? And, you know, think about this. Strife is, is speaking. It's speaking pride, basically, is what it is. And if we're in pride and God is not helping us, we are not in faith. And the Bible talks 
just in such a huge way about faith. So when we get in strife, we are not in faith. And the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. And so that strife is just not pleasing to the Lord in multiple ways. And God can't help us if we're in pride. God can't help us if we're not in faith. In fact, I want you to think about this. Romans 1 and Galatians 5 In these two chapters, strife is listed as something that people with debased minds enter into. And it's listed alongside things like murder, maliciousness, sorcery, jealousy, and fits of anger. So we need to take that seriously and speak life and not strife and not be a contentious person. You know, I want you to think about this. As believers in Jesus, we are supposed to be known for our love for one another. Is that true? God, people seeing God's love operating through us towards others. Colossians three twelve through 15, it says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness. Notice these are all things that are counter strife. Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. It doesn't say hold a grudge about each other's faults, does it? Of course not. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together with perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to be in peace and always be thankful. Now, I want you to think about the tube I have here again. Taylor, would you help me for a moment? Now, if... Taylor had strife in his life. I'm sure he doesn't. But if he did, and he repents before God of it today, and he's serious about it, and he's going to really choose not to have strife in his life, and let's just say there have been some challenges and some hard places. He's, the Bible also says that where jealousy and strife are, there's confusion in every evil work. So if he's been experiencing these hard places in his life, and it's been because of strife, and he decides he's going to pull that tube out, the, the rag out of the tube, look what happens to him. The blessing of God. <laughs> the blessing of God starts pouring out on him. <laughs> Thank you, Taylor. I'll let you take that. And we want the blessing of God in our life. So I'm going to close with this quote from a man named Og Mandino, who was an author years ago who's had a lot of positive effect on current authors today, like Andy Andrews. Og Mandino said this years ago. He said, beginning today... Treat everyone you meet as if they were going to be dead by midnight. Extend to them all the care, kindness, and understanding you can muster. And do it with no thought of any reward. Your life will never be the same again. Do you receive those words? I pray that you'll take that thought from Ogmandino in the scriptures and the words that I've spoken to you today and that you will make the choice to get out of strife so that you can have the blessing of God you just saw pouring out upon your life the way God wants it to because he does have a good plan for your future. Let's all close our eyes and pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and goodness upon our lives. I pray that those that have had strife in their life, Lord, that they get it out now that they'd make that choice, that they'd repent of it today, that they would go home and get on their knees and say, Lord, help me. I repent of strife and ask you to forgive me of that. Help me to get my relationships right. And Lord, I pray that they'd even have humility to go and repent to those around them that they need to repent to. And that you, as a result, would be able to flow through to them the way that you've always been wanting to, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name.
And as we continue to minister to you, we want to take a moment to give you an opportunity to accept Christ. If you've never made the decision to accept Christ, whether you're here in person or watching us online today, we want to give you that opportunity now at this very moment. So with every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment longer, if you've never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you need to take a moment to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus, Maybe you haven't way backslidden, but you know your heart's not right with God today. Maybe you've allowed strife to get into your family, into your marriage, into your relationships. You know today is the day that you want to recommit. You want to recommit to love, to love himself. So if that's you, and you're saying, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to accept Jesus Christ, or I need to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. If that's you and you want us to pray for you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you slip up a hand all over this auditorium right now, just acknowledging you need to accept Christ or recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus to get your heart right with God and with man. Just a moment longer, any others, you're saying, Pastor, please pray for me too. I need to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Okay, let's do this. Let's take a moment. Let's pray for those that are making that quality choice and that decision. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it doesn't matter what you've done right or wrong. All that really matters is what Jesus Christ has done right to make things right. So let's take the moment and pray with those that are making that decision to accept Christ or recommit their hearts to the Lord. Let's call on the name of the Lord together. Would you follow me in this prayer? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, forgive me, forgive me of all my sins, of all my sins, Jesus, Jesus, Come into my heart. Come into my heart. I accept you. I accept you. As my Lord. As my Lord. My Savior. My Savior. And my best friend. And my best friend. Thank you. Thank you. For dying on the cross. For dying on the cross. For all of my sins. For all of my sins. I commit. I commit. My life. My life. To you. To you. Now. Now. And forever. And forever. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Would you give them a big hand clap? Let them know how much you... Love them, appreciate them. We're so grateful and honored that you could be with us today.